0: Content that resonates with your audience and brings more loyal customers who can't wait to buy your products. If you want to see how easy this is and how easy it is to create content for your audience and your customers, head to www.ayerofcontent.com. Welcome
1: to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone.
0: Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss podcast. I'm your host Jacqueline Snyder with my awesome co-host Mina Kundujeet. Hey Mina. Hey Jacqueline. All right, friends. So this is a big topic. If you are listening today, welcome to everyone who's new and listening and to everyone that's been with us um, for the years. We're so glad that you're here today. We have over 300 episodes. So if you're new to joining us, just go into the backlog and keep listening. And we have so much more amazing free content coming to you in the coming weeks. Today, we're going to talk about how makers got to make money. This is a big thing a lot of times with makers. But before we do that, Mina, Let's just quickly tell everyone, if you haven't heard about it already, about our product classes guide to your best year yet workshop series.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, freaking fantastic. We're having so much fun. Everybody is in the Facebook group. So if you're in there, make sure you get into the Facebook group because that is where all the giveaways are happening. A lot of the giveaways, the lives, just it's so much fun right now.
0: Yeah. And even though we kicked off last week, it is not too late to join today, depending on when you're listening. We are teaching about scaling handmade. Next week we have, it's about the 80-20 rule for product-based business. Last week, we helped you get your to-do list to done, which really Mm -hmm. helps you find more time in your day but you get the re All you have to do is head to the slash best and sign up. You will get those replays. You'll get entered into the Facebook group when you, well, you'll join the Facebook group, which is where all the magic happens. And then yeah. you're automatically invited and enrolled into our bestseller Secrets Challenge, which kicks off on February 14th.
1: Yes. And we, we forgot to mention that this week, Is the maker's guide to scaling, which kind of leads us into. Well, the workshop is the maker's guide to scaling, but it's for manufacturers, retailers, anybody with a physical product business, food people, bakers, makers, all of the things. So make sure you get into there because all of these concepts will really help you make money no matter what you're selling, as long as it's a physical good. But it leads us into this episode because we hear the same things over and over specifically from our maker audience, our maker listeners. And we want to make sure that you are thinking about things in the way that will benefit you and will serve you and your business. Yeah,
0: and what's really interesting to me about this. And I'm a fashion designer and artist by, you know, Fashion designer by trade, artist by joy. And I get it. Like I get that idea of the artist, but then there's that idea Mm -hmm. of the starving artist that has existed for so long. And I think Mm -hmm. it went into the maker community in a lot of ways where it was like that artist mentality of either that you don't want to charge too much for something, or maybe you don't find Mm -hmm. that there's value in it. Or the other thing is, it has to be made by me, or I can't raise my prices. Or really, people get very stuck with being handmade goods because it's your own two hands, it's your talent. And we get stuck thinking other people can't do it the same way that we can. We get stuck thinking that people only want to buy if it's made with my own two hands. And ultimately, what it does is, if you also have that entrepreneurial spirit to you and you feel like you want to grow a business from a maker business, you're going to hit capacity, right? You're not really going to be able to scale. So we've done tons of episodes on this kind of topic. We have this free workshop for all of you that we're going to dig deeper and give you this path to be able to scale your handmade business. But what we want to get into today is that my friends that are makers got to make money Mm -hmm. if you want to make this a business.
1: Yes, if you want to make this a business, because it can certainly stay a hobby, then you're making for your hobby. And it's for... I think that's the thing when you were like, I make for joy or whatever, but there's lots of entrepreneurs that need to make money that can still be creatives and artists and still make money. It's and not either or Mm -hmm. right. And you can still enjoy it. I think that's one thing is like you can make it look the, whatever way you want to. So if you start charging for your art, if you start charging for the things that you make, it can still be so joyful. Mm -hmm. It can still Be so joyful. Your makers, especially, but your career
0: choices that you have done is stepping into makers and selling something that you've made is actually something that there are a lot of people out there that are envious of. Not everybody is creative. Not everybody can come up with ideas and not everybody has the talent that you have where you've figured out how to make jewelry, sew clothes, create fragrances, make skincare by hand, pottery, glass, whatever it is that you make, woodworking, not everyone has that talent or they haven't pursued that talent. So the fact that you can make something with your own two hands, pursue a talent, enjoy the process, enjoy the end product. And then someone's going to exchange money for it is incredible. That is a gift. That is a dream for so many people.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. It is a dream. It is a gift for a lot of people. And it's like, when you find something that you love, you get to do it. That I want to make sure you all know that entrepreneurship is still very hard, but it's still very joyful, right? So as we're saying, you get to enjoy it. You get to live your life. You get to live you have your dream life. Life is hard too. And you can figure it out. There's just as many people that don't have that creative bone, or don't charge for what they do, or whatever. They also give up sometimes because they—that's d- what stops them, right? Is that they're like, oh, this isn't meant for me, or it seems like I'm enjoying myself too much. I want to relieve some of that guilt, but also I want you to know that it's supposed to be hard too. Everything is hard, whether you have a regular job or an artist job or. A- Make your job
0: or a business owner, or you say you want to have kids and you become a parent, and then it's hard. Like <laughs> that's
1: the hardest job in the world. I will tell you that right <laughs> but now. But I'm saying,
0: like, we wanted to have children, and then it was very hard, and we still love it and we enjoy it. And some days we lock ourselves yeah. in our room. It is what it is. <laughs> no, but and the other side, I think a lot of times, especially for makers or if you have something that's very much like a hobby or it's your talent, you're making. There is someone around you. It could be a spouse, a family member, a parent, somebody. Who sees all the time you're putting into something, but then thinks you're wasting time, wants you to get serious, wants you to focus on something like go like your career or you're not making any money, but you're spending all this time doing all these things and they feel pulled. They feel like you're not with them because the results for them is that the revenue is not there. Now, you may say, I just like doing this, which is fine, which is the part that it's a hobby. But I think some of the things that they're trying to push to you a little bit is like they see your effort. They see how committed you are to the making, and they want to see if you're as committed to the selling, right? To the creating revenue, to driving this business, because they might see that as the value. They may see that as like, your time is worth money, and you may not see that for yourself. So we wanna just dig into a few things that we've heard makers say that we think gets in their way of making money. And if you want more support, please join us in our workshops and join us in our bestseller secrets challenge because we are all about this and we're here to support you through this.
1: Yeah. So, what are some of the main things that we hear or some beliefs that makers have, especially that we hear in our community?
0: Okay. I'm going to start with a big one. I have to make my products with my own two hands. Has to be my two hands or else it's not Mm -hmm. handmade and it's not handmade by me. And If it's not handmade by me, my customers aren't going to want it, right? So if that resonates with you, there's two things there, right? I think there's two ideas there. One, that being a maker has to be made with your own two hands. Not true. You can still be a handmade business and use other people's hands. And it could still be a handmade business, you can mm-hmm. still be handmade business and outsource parts of it that are versions of manufacturing and still be put together with hands and still be very much a handmade business. Because guess what, friends? If you're a handmade candle company, you are not rendering the wax. You are not t- twisting the twine that makes the the wicks. You're not glass blowers. So there are portions yeah. of your company that are already outsourced and manufactured. What? They're not blowing the I glass, mean, as, the if vessels? you are, DM us because you're amazing.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they're not, right? So you're already, yeah. I think you're already realizing that like, if you make clothing and it's handmade, did you also weave together fibers to make the fabric? No, part yeah. of your business is made and outsourced and manufactured and you're putting it together with with hands.
1: And I think it's easier to think of this in a little bit like let's it it, sometimes it's semantics to get you to reframe so for candles for example is it your own two hands that need to hand pour those candles no but then it's like people get stuck on the handmade but it's hand it's a handmade candle if it's a hand poured candle does it have to be your hands and usually they can get there or if it's a yeah handmade jewelry. So instead of handmade jewelry, it could be was another way of saying handmade. I think people get stuck on that. The whole idea of handmade, mm-hmm. but there's so many different versions of quote unquote handmade. There's hand poured. There is hand sewn. There is hand delivered. So Amazon that- hand delivers. <laughs> they sure do. So even if it's handmade, hand-sewn, for example. So to say that you're handmade, take like lingerie, or like we say with Annika, she is still handmade because she hires other people. There's nobody knocking on her door in Nashville. Shout out Annika in Nashville. And, and knocking on her door saying, was this made by Anika's hand? They're not showing up with their bra and being like, hey Anika, did you sew
0: this <laughs> red bra? And if you did not, I want my money back. But yeah, and and she uses local sewists, right? Because also coming from fashion, as far as I know currently, human beings operate sewing machines and they are, it's not hand sewn with a needle and thread. Human beings are behind these sewing machines, whether or not they're yours. But you get to choose, do I want it to be local people? Do I want it to be local knitters? I want it to be local sewists that sew from their home. Like you get to choose who are the people with the two hands. But they're sewing houses
1: too, right?
0: And, but the thing is like, and it's semantics. It's like what you said, right? People get so stuck on this idea. And I can't tell you how many episodes we're going to come out with in the future that keeps feeding this into everyone's brains. It does not need to be your two hands. (laughs)
1: Sounds (laughs) crap. I'm sorry. But the reason why is that,
0: and here's why, if it remains just, you will hit capacity. If you have big dreams for your business, you do not You cannot make up more time in the world. You do not have like a time pause button that you can go and make a thousand more pieces in like an hour. You're going to hit capacity. So at some point, your business will hit a stop. It'll hit a capacity and you will not be able to grow it any bigger. Plus you will be burnt out. You'll be over it. You'll feel buried. You'll feel dismayed and like that it's just not working. So what we're trying to tell you here is that as you scale your handmade business, You can use other people's hands to keep delivering these goods, these handmade goods to people without it being you. And you're actually able to serve more people by employing more people to hand make your products. Because if you wanna hit capacity, if you're like, okay, I only wanna sell four of these a week and I have all the time I want and four and I'm gonna make X amount of dollars and that's your life, that's your life. But if you have bigger goals and dreams, which I think you do, which is why you're here, then you wanna make another choice. I'm just going to jump in really quick to interrupt this episode because I have to ask you a question. Can you believe we're already full steam ahead into another year? I know it's unbelievable. And we know you have big goals for your product business this year, and we're here to help you reach them. In all of our years helping product bosses, we find that one of the biggest things that they struggle with is setting their businesses up to truly scale and thrive. They don't know how to organize their time or handle the influx of orders when they do scale, or how to even stand out in a crowded market. So question for you, Product Boss, do you ever feel like you're juggling so much in your product business without knowing where to focus or how to reach your goals? We feel you. It's no secret being a Product Boss isn't easy, but there are things that you can be doing right now to help your business thrive this year. And we're here to help you do that. We are hosting a free series That includes three info packed workshops to help you kick off your best year yet. So, if you're feeling like you don't have enough hours in the day, or you don't even know what you should be focusing on to grow, or like your business can't even handle the influx of orders you want because you're making everything yourself, or like you don't know how to stand out in a crowded market, well, we've got you covered. That's why we created our upcoming free workshop series. The Product Boss's Guide to Your Best Year Yet. We're hosting three free workshops where we're sharing some of our biggest tips and tricks on how to have your breakthrough year in 2022. If you wanna join us for free, just head to theproductboss.com slash best to save your spot and let's grow this year together. So again, head to theproductboss.com slash best or head to the show notes and just click right there and we'll see you inside.
1: I think the thing with when you think about capacity, it's fixed, right? So it's a fixed capacity. So everybody has 24 hours in the day. If you're always going to be spending a certain amount of time on a certain amount of things doing certain like handmade things, then you will hit a fixed quantity of things that you yourself <coughs> can produce, which will result in a fixed number of monetary value. Unless you raise your prices, your cost of goods potentially go up. So let's just keep that fixed as well. So it will always be fixed number of hours for myself, my capacity for a fixed amount of money that I am doing. Unless you streamline one of those time or money. Right. So that is one of the things we hear from
0: makers that they will hit capacity and they can't make more money because their own two hands can't do more of it. All right. The other thing that we've heard, and it was the second part of when we started this, was that makers believe that their customers only want it to be with their own two hands. I've heard, There's a woodworker in our community that I've seen respond to some of our messages or our lives. And they've said like, I don't believe that my... What if my customers only want the stuff made by me? I'm going to tell all of you, if you think about big brands out there that did start off as small brands and even brands that are namesake brands, right? They're named after... The artist, the designer, the creator. As they've grown, they have stayed. They have stayed the front person. They've stayed the namesake, but none of us think Vera Wang is sewing our art wedding gowns. No, nope. she didn't mean. Even I mean, woodwork, I'm like a yeah. major celebrity. She, she's still not <laughs> sewing them. She's just there
1: <laughs> telling people what to do. She definitely is not sewing <laughs> them still. So, like, even thinking about woodworking, okay. Let's, you know, was it blah 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 that made my, whittled, cha- my whittled my chair? No. Somebody else sanded it. Somebody else lacquered it. Oh my God, this was the hardest analogy. I mean, that I'm you trying to do. One that you know a <laughs> lot about. Yes, you're getting very Whittling, good. Whittling, sanding. That's all I got here. <laughs> Was it blah, blah, blah? Was it Doug that put in my dowels on this chair?
0: A lot of language about woodworking, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Thank
1: you're you. You're welcome. I'm trying to like Chistle. really dig in there. <laughs> but
0: even Michelangelo had people help him paint the Sistine Chapel, my friends. Okay? So when you think about it, it's because you've set up your brand that people have identified with you. But we have seen... Businesses that have build, been built around their name and about them being the maker and the artist. And that's where they started. And then they hit mm-hmm. capacity and people wanted more of it. And they were able to change the messaging and say, look at these beautiful handmade products and look at this amazing team of makers. And you can still yeah. be the front face of it. You can still talk about your chairs. You can still talk about whatever it is that you can make and that you've concept, but it, they won't be able to get their hands on your stuff if you're whittling the wood and sanding everything and and lacquering it. Then you can only do as much. You hit capacity again.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I didn't even think about this, but a lot of times, like what you do when you're hiring is you teach that skill set, and people are like, "If I teach them the skill set, they'll want to go sell their own things." One hundred percent untrue. There, like we said before, there's only so many people that will take an idea and get it to fruition. First of all, you can do a non compete. Secondly, there's plenty of people that you train a skill set to, just like any other skill, and that only want to be a quote unquote employee. They don't want to be entrepreneurs. They don't want to own their own business. They don't want to keep up with the expenses. They don't want to hire the people. They don't want to keep the lights on. They don't want all the other things that come with it. And they just want to do that skilled trade that you taught them and then thus sell your products. Mm -hmm. Because it's really easy to think about Makers as artists. But there's plenty of other makers out there that are, for example, like bakers or they make fragrances, like what Jacqueline was saying. They have their signature candle scent or they're making beauty or they're making skincare. So that is, or they're like a, a chemist making soaps. That's actually somebody that's in multi stream machine, soaped by a chemist. And so really, you're teaching them instead of the skill set of the artistry. It's a different type of artistry. It's like the formulations, the signature scent, the thing that you came up with that you quote unquote made with your hands was your actual physical product. So is it a toner that you came up with? Is it a a bath scrub? Is it a candle scent in eight ounces? Is it whatever physical good it is, you teach somebody else to do it. So it's not your own two hands putting it together because every product out there is essentially handmade to a certain degree. Because even if you get the raw goods, are you whittling the wood for? Are you cutting your wood down the wicks? tree? Yeah,
0: they make the whatever wood you need
1: for your chair. Yeah, I mean, maybe you are, so and you're just, amazing.
0: But.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did you make the. So ax? it's like the level <laughs> of handmadeness. But when we're talking about artists, we're not. This does not just this does not just apply to artists. This applies to manufacturers. This applies to makers. This applies to retailers. Really think about this concept of it. It doesn't have to be you doing everything. You hire out for the things that you hit capacity on. Mm -hmm. So another thing that we see
0: with makers as they're struggling to make money is to raise their prices. I know a lot of you have not even paid yourself a dollar and can't even figure out like what your hourly rate would be. But One thing you have to realize is you are a handmade business. You are not Mm -hmm. a product that's made overseas, sold in like a a Target or a, like a cheaper, like H&M, like a cheaper store where they can compete Mm -hmm. because hourly wages are different in other countries. You are a handmade business. And if you could bring value to your business, and this is what we teach in our courses and our workshops, we teach about building the story. People buy more than the product because handmade Beaded jewelry earrings next to another handmade beaded jewelry earrings. A lot of them look the same. Even those polymer clay earrings, I see a lot of those. Okay, mm-hmm. but I also see a lot of them that are successful because they have their own stories, they have their own messaging, they have their own um, brand feel, mm-hmm. aesthetic. So everyone can sell polymer polymer earrings, but there's many people that are successful. It's not just one. But then the idea is that when you're able to establish your brand, you raise your prices. And when you start to see things start to work and sell, you raise your prices. So what does that do? That helps you make money because if you're at capacity and you need to hire, you need better margins, you need more profit so that you can hire people to help you scale. Even if it's, you still want to be the maker, but you need someone to fulfill for you. So an example of someone who raised their prices is a student of ours as well. It's Emily of Toupes. It's a cosmetic company, Mina. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she has a specialty skincare and makeup. Her skincare has tallow. So it's a certain, I I think, fat. I think it's rendered fat from cows. Yeah, Yeah. rendered fat, yes. We say it not
0: in a nice way, but it's a very like, Hot commodity product. That's oh gosh, really it's amazing beautiful for your, your skin.
1: Yeah. It's nourishing. It is clean. It is, it's really helpful with eczema and psoriasis, I believe. I don't know enough about like that was no claim, FDA, don't come after me, <laughs> sort of thing, but it really is amazing. So she has this amazing product that is specialty. So she actually could, and it's all handmade too. So all of her cosmetics and everything are all handmade in her skincare. She could actually raise her prices to see what the market will bear. She did raise Especially, her prices she, to see. If, yeah. She, until she, I would love her to raise, raise it to see what the market uh, will bear. Cause right now she's an industry leader in a lot of ways. the right? thing is
0: run out and buy yourself some tubes and co products
1: because she's about <laughs> to tell her to raise it. When we think about the amount of time things take and the formula formula for calculating how much it's going to be, we think about cost of goods and we need to at least cover that. And then there's a margin. But we want you to have as much margin you possibly can. We want you
0: to make as much money as the market will bear.
1: You know, like as
0: much money as you can make per product. It's not greedy. Like it's lower your costs, increase your profitability and you will be profitable. So like, we want you to make money. So sometimes you're like, I should just do this or I should just do that. But it's not true. And I think you need to get out of your own way in that way because, and you can test it. Some people have raised their prices and seen that they've hit a little too high and they've lowered them down. Yeah, incrementally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. They've raised it up. And to be honest, like, I don't think that USPS cares that they're raising their prices on all of our product (laughs) bosses. And I don't think UPS or FedEx or even the raw goods. Soy wax has gone up quite a bit and by like 30% wood for building houses. If we're -hmm. we're talking in a bigger scale, steel, all of it is going up. But yet our handmade businesses, our makers are like, I don't want to raise my price, even though all these costs have gone up. Yeah. So you're all,
0: you are all suffering the the um, weight of the money being spent, you're taking that on personally. Your family is having to take that on personally. So because you don't want to charge a customer that wants your product a few more dollars to be profitable, instead, your family is taking home less. But you're not... What you're doing is you're in business. You're selling a product. You're selling a good and people want it. And so you want to really think about are my prices... Appropriate. Have I created the right pricing structure? If you don't know how, this is something we work on in multi multi-shoe Machine, which is our signature course. Mm-hmm. But this is something that I want you to think about because that starving artist mentality, starving maker mentality—that that value of what you do and what you sell—we need to shift that. We need to shift that narrative because you're business owners and you're entrepreneurs, and this is your responsibility. What was the quote we used before?
1: My use it in the other episode. Oh, my customers. Yeah. My customers need and want my products. My customers need and want my products. There's a
0: customer out there for everybody. My customers need and want my products and they're willing to exchange money or Bitcoin in exchange for it. (laughs)
1: Omit oh, Bitcoin because I don't even know how that
0: works. No idea. We're <laughs> definitely not there yet in our lives, but they're willing to exchange with you. We're not bartering. They're willing to 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 part with their hard-earned cash for your products because they need and they want what you have to sell. So let them do their side. You do your side and make money, my maker friends. And if you want more support, we're here for you in these workshops. We're here for you in the Best Seller Secrets Challenge, and we're so excited because the doors to Multi Stream Machine, our signature course, which is more profit. More sales on more platforms is coming out. The doors are going to open for a limited time on February 17th. So we can't wait to see Mm -hmm. you in there. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review.